You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, y'all, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 34. The words of Jesus coming in on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is kind of like the Christian Torah, the Christian sort of a constitution, right? It's the most pivotal sermon Jesus gives. In the middle of that sermon, we pick up and Jesus says to the hearers, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Read this with me. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted or allegiant or loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money and possessions. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work and make or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts. Everybody say dominate. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Read this with me. Seek the kingdom of God first and live a just life, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord is right. So look, this text is about worry and anxiety. But not only worry and anxiety. This text is about money and possessions. But not just about money and possessions. This text, even though you'll hear preachers preach on that when it comes to this text, and that isn't wrong, this text seems to me, based on the context of what Jesus is saying, is ultimately, ultimately about God's generosity. Everybody say God's generosity. And our allegiances. Everybody say our allegiances. So we must talk then about how one sees God and how we each understand ourselves. See, because whatever it is that holds our allegiance holds our hopes and plays a defining role in how we see and understand ourselves and how we see and understand God. So... We begin this whole conversation about thinking 
about identity, which is another way of talking about how and where we each get our meaning. Say, my meaning. See, identity is revealed by priorities, which includes how we see God. And what we are striving to attain reveals what we have organized our lives around. What we've organized our lives around, whether we realize it or not, reveals the source of how we understand ourselves. And what we do reflects what we value, and what we value reflects what we are loyal to. We'll say that again. What we do reflects what we value, and what we value reflects what we are loyal to. What we are loyal to reflects who we are. Wherever my treasure is, Jesus said, there will be found the desires of my heart. Who I am is not believed by what I say. Who I am is believed by what I do. Identity or meaning can be thought of as what we understand about who we are and our place in the society that we live in. And if we don't get our meaning, this is what I think Jesus is saying in the whole sermon, actually. If we don't get our meaning from Jesus as King, and if our allegiance isn't placed solely in the kingdom of God, we will seek smaller kingdoms. Everybody say smaller kingdoms. kingdoms. See, a smaller kingdom is a place and space where my influence and my interests are first. A smaller kingdom is where I am the center, whether it is a conscious decision, like whether I literally say I'm the center of this, or whether it's an unconscious decision. That center, me being in the center, is going to be revealed by how I live my life, my priorities, my values, and that, that, that little place is a kingdom where I'm the king of my little kingdom. And so we can seek a lot of things first. And I want to be clear with you all. Some of these things that we seek aren't in and of themselves bad. Y'all with me? It is always true that we can seek the wrong things. But that's not always the things we seek. Because it is also true we can seek good things too much. Because we can love good things too much. Does that make sense? And that's the subtlety of the smaller kingdom. We seek success first. We seek our family first. Or our friends first. We seek America first. We are really seeking self and self-interest first. See, it's subtle. We don't often catch it. But we say it even though we may not explicitly mean it. I've never heard a Christian say, I'm not seeking Jesus first. That's like, actually, like you made a better Christian, like, hey, do you have idols in your life? Sure do. And can't wake up every morning to worship them. Never met a Christian who's waking up saying, can't wait to worship those idols today. Can't wait to seek other things first. So I want to be clear, this isn't always about the obvious wrong things. This is about loving good things too much. And when we love good things too much is because we're trying to rule over those things because they are the primary interest of myself. It's a self-interest rule. I may not ask what's in it for me. I may not ask what it means to me. 
but it is clear that it's sure enough about me. And it's subtle. And you can hear it, how we describe ourselves sometimes, too. And for you who say that's just semantics, let me just say this real quick. Kelly, what's semantics mean? What's the word semantics mean? I know, I, I'm talking about the other Kelly. There's like, I'm just kidding. There's like three Kellys in the church. <laughs> semantics is literally like what? What's semantics mean? The meaning of words. So when we say it's just semantics, what's the answer to that? It is. Because the meaning of words matter. If I say I don't like you, that communicates something. If I say I like you, that communicates something. If I say I love you, that communicates something. The words matter. The words we use matter. So it matters then how we talk about the things in our life and the kingdoms that we seek and the smaller kingdoms we are oftentimes trying to build. You with me? And so you hear it in the way we talk about ourselves. Hi, I am a... You see that? I am. I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. I am a teacher. I am a pastor. Rather than I believe or I follow or my vocation is. And you hear it. And that's the thing. You may say, oh, come on, man. You're making a big deal. Semantics matter. Because what we don't often realize is in the spiritual, it does something to our souls. We act like we ain't in the spirit. When we are in the spirit and walking in the spiritual, these identity statements do something to our souls. Which is why Jesus has to say, look, wherever your heart is, your treasure is going to be found. Like, your treasure determines where your heart is. Because consciously we may say something, but our life, if we look back at our lives at the end of the day, we're going to see little crumbs to a throne room. And the question is, who is it that's on the throne? Is it me or is it Jesus? And that is going to be revealed in how we live our lives. And so you hear this. And these all things can be good things, but they're only stepping stones because they're not where we're headed. We seek these things first that are ultimately not going to last. So we seek success first. Forgetting that success is secondary to faithfulness. Beloved, God didn't call you to successfulness. God called you to faithfulness. And we sometimes forget that we really have little control over our ability to attain success. But what we do have control over is our ability to remain faithful. We seek our family first and our friends first. Forgetting that we can't equip our kids to make it to Harvard or Howard and not equip them for the kingdom of God. We forget that one day our children will sit at our funerals and we will want to leave a legacy of faithful love. We forget that life is not sustained by being a part of our personally family households, but by being a part of God's household. There are more people in our family than those who share our last names. Our family extends to all those who have pledged their allegiance to Christ. I've said this before. Baptismal waters are thicker than blood. And when we organize our lives around the center of our family, we can build ourselves a smaller kingdom. Because in the smaller kingdom, family is everything. But in God's kingdom, the notion of family is supposed to be extended. Y'all remember what Jesus said? These are my brothers. These are my mothers. My brothers and mothers are what? 
those who do the will of the Father. The family has been re-envisioned in the kingdom of God. And if we want our children to learn this, for those of us who have children, we must lead them in it. We must model it as we learn to do it. You and I cannot live into our whole self apart from community. You are only fully you together with us. Because God within God's own self is community. Y'all remember Trinity Sunday? And here's the thing. We forget. And hear me out on this, please. We forget that if we seek first God's kingdom, we get to see our families flourish. But if we seek first our family's well-being, we may not actually see them flourish. You see the difference? We aim low. We settle low. And Jesus is trying to invite us to aim high and settle high. Because when you get the bigger kingdom, you get all the smaller ones. And you get them in the right way. But when you pursue the smaller ones, you might miss the big one. When it comes to our families, we can seek their good without having to set aside the concerns of God's kingdom. Because when we seek first God's kingdom and live a just life, which is the part Jesus said, live a just life, then what does Jesus say about all those things we want? All those things that cause us worry, all those things. What does he say? Then all those things will what? Be added unto you. He says he'll give you everything you need. You want to be the kind of father you want to be? Seek the kingdom of God first and live a just life. You want to be the kind of mother you're supposed to be? Seek the kingdom of God first and live a just life. You want to be the kind of spouse you want to be? Then seek the kingdom of God first and live a just life. You want to be the kind of friend you want to be? Then live the kingdom, seek the kingdom of God first and live a just life. Now you may lose some friends living a just life. But they probably weren't your friends anyway. Come on now. We fall into this trap of seeking these smaller kingdoms. And I'm going to go ahead and say it because that's what we do around here. We coming up in this next year, we seek America first. As if America is filled with the only people made in God's image. And we forget that every person from every nation is made in God's image. We seek America first as if it's the only nation where God's people are found. And we forget that God's actual holy nation, the language the Apostle Peter applies to the church, is found among all the nations, not just America. We seek America first as if it will last forever. And we forget that one day it will be in a footnote in the pages of history right beside Rome. And we forget that our eternal and only true citizenship is found not in these United States, but in the kingdom of God. And you know what's going to determine whether or not we are seeking the kingdom of God first and living a just life, or if we're seeking America first, is the next year and a half of this country's existence. Come on now. See, what is true is that when we give all of ourselves over to seeking self or self-interest, we then have to defend it from all possible threats. And this is how we turn on each other, how we turn on our neighbor. This is how we fall into the traps of all the social hierarchies, and we miss the mark of love. Jesus said, the world will know your mind by what? 
By what? How you love. And this is how we begin storing up for ourselves treasures on earth and neglect the treasures of heaven. Essentially, it's how we destroy ourselves. See, we do not see that these very meaningful things, success, family, friends, country, meaningful things, that they are just smaller identities created by the smaller kingdoms. They are not at the core of who we are. And living for smaller kingdoms leads us away from the just life. Everybody say the just life. That's a life of justice. That's what righteousness means. See God in His righteousness? The word is justice. It literally translates a just life. Live a just life. A life that promotes truth, goodness, and beauty. A life that promotes social justice. A life that promotes what is right in society and good because Jesus is King of all people. It's the values and the ethics and the politics of the kingdom of God. And living for these smaller kingdoms leads us away from the just life because it disables us from fully living according to the values and politics of God's kingdom as seen and heard in Jesus' life. Living for smaller kingdoms is ultimately how we destroy ourselves. And it's ultimately how we destroy the witness of the faithful, the witness of the church. Because we live for smaller kingdoms. It's how we lack the imagination to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and love our enemies. It's how we lack the imagination to live out the sermon where Jesus says, Give to all who ask of you, lend to them without expectation of return. We do not see that these things are not the core of who we are. They are not the core of how we construct our meaning. They are not lasting. They are not big enough. And if we are God's people and citizens of God's eternal kingdom, we'll recognize the smallness of every other kingdom and resist grasping for them. But there's some good news. And the good news, the good news is that God understands our tendency to seek smaller kingdoms. The good news is that God knows that we are prone to fears of not having enough, that we are prone to misplaced priorities, that we are prone to disorganized values, that we're prone to overplan our lives so that there's nothing left in our lives to give. So Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the others. You will be allegiant to one or devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money and possessions. You want to know why Jesus speaks in terms of extremes of like and hate? Because Jesus is trying to prove the point that he knows we like to split the difference. We like to have one hand on one and one hand on the other. And you know what we end up doing when we do that and they go in opposite directions? We pull a muscle. Of course, I pull a muscle every day of my life these days. It's the seeking of smaller kingdoms that lead us down the paths of hurry, worry, and anxiety. Everybody say hurry, worry, and anxiety. Hurry, worry, and anxiety. 
And that's why Jesus talks about worry and hurry and anxiety in this text. Because it's not that we just have that problem. It's leading our lives down the path of pursuing smaller kingdoms that provoke the hurry, worry, and anxiety that we have. Because chasing the smaller kingdoms are like chasing smoke. Smoke can choke you. Smoke can even kill you. But in time, what does smoke do? It dissipates. We misplace our priorities. We fear not having enough, so we sacrifice little, and we give little. And when we seek smaller kingdoms, we feel like we're going to run out of everything. feel like we're going to run out of money. We're going to run out of love. We're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of life. And then we're just left with the gripping and the grasping. And so then we hold on to that old belief that we should seize the day. And to seize the day, that means we got to seize our time. And we got to seize our possessions. And if necessary, seize our neighbor's possessions, foreign or domestic, because there's not enough to go around. And yet in the midst of all of this, in the midst of our smaller kingdoms, Jesus' words come to us. You ready for this? Jesus' words come to us in pictures of birds and lilies. And birds and lilies. The birds and the lilies teach us that God's good creation works. Come on now. God has set things in motion and sustains all God has done. We can't control it, so we don't have to try. And in actuality, we don't have much control anyway. And if God can be trusted with the birds and the lilies then why can't he be entrusted with you and me and those we love? Seek the kingdom of God first, Jesus says, and live a just life. And God will give you everything we need. God gives. And we commit to seeking God's kingdom first. To live like Christ is Lord and King. We commit To a daily refocusing. Everybody say daily refocusing. Come on. A daily refocusing of our attention on what we see in Jesus. And a daily rethinking. Everybody say daily rethinking. A daily rethinking of everything we believe based on what we hear from Jesus. So a daily refocusing based on what we see in Jesus. And a daily rethinking based upon what we hear in Jesus. When we rethink everything in light of what we see and hear in Jesus, we will have no other option but to become a new person because we will now have new thoughts and understandings about what it means to be a person. When's the last time, beloved, you opened up the Scriptures and spent time with the life and ministry and teachings of Jesus? To be the kind of person that seeks God's kingdom over smaller kingdoms is to be the kind of person who makes a declaration of dependence upon God. Come on now. Come on. It's almost Independence Day. But for every day of every Christian's lives, it's supposed to be Dependence Day. Be the kind of person who makes a declaration of dependence upon God is to be the kind of person who lives life with open hands as God gives us all we need to live the just life.
Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, who's this 4th century Roman African church leader, said, God gives where he finds empty hands. Come on. God gives where he finds empty hands. We remember how God came giving bread in the wilderness, don't we? Come on, y'all got to talk to me. Y'all remember that? We remember how God came giving homes to exiles. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember when God gave sight to the blind? Y'all remember when he gave hearing to the deaf? Y'all remember when he gave strength to disabled legs? Y'all remember when he healed the lepers? Do y'all really remember? Because I ain't picking up that y'all remember. God still gives. God came giving futures to the shut down. God came giving life to a people enslaved to death. God came giving us a new identity so we could stop giving our lives to smaller kingdoms. God wants us to seek God's kingdom first because God wants to give our lives to Christ. He wants us to give our lives to Christ as Lord and King. Seeking God's kingdom first means those who have been rescued must join in the rescue to speak the truth of God's kingdom. Those who have been liberated must join in the liberation to practice the justice of God's kingdom. Those who have been reconciled to God must embrace the ministry of reconciliation by demonstrating the hospitality of God's kingdom. Seeking God's kingdom first is not about praying harder and studying your Bible more. Jesus said seeking God's kingdom first will always include living a just Life And the only way for us to know what an actual just life looks like is to look at the life of justice Jesus lived to liberate us from all the smaller kingdoms that always promote the injustices of the world. So here's my question, and this is open dialogue for the next five minutes. How can you and me and WCC seek God's kingdom first and live a just life? It's not enough just to think about it in abstract terms. So concretely, how can you seek God's kingdom first and live a just life? And then how can we, as a church family, seek God's kingdom first and live a just life? So that's a question for us to answer. It's not a rhetorical question. This is going to be that participation part. (laughs) Who's got a thought? I'm, y'all, y'all don't make me voluntold somebody. Like, no, I would never do that. I'd never do that. Glenn? Uh, just personally, taking that time every day to open scripture. Yeah. Starting there, right? Yeah. Starting there with opening the scriptures and looking at the life of Jesus, whose life we are to model, whose life we are empowered by the Spirit to follow. Absolutely. That's good. Raise your hand if you've worried. All right. For those who didn't, raise your hand if you lied. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) When we are worrying, it may be a sign. It may be a sign. It may be a sign of some nervous system brain stuff. Y'all with me? Come on now. It may be a sign of anxiety and nervous system and brain stuff. Not everything is spiritual. All right. We have brains and nervous system. Say, I have a brain and nervous system. Just so you remember. But when we feel, when that brain and that nervous system is ramped up to some extremes, it would do well for us to step back. 
and find ourselves again. Everybody say self-awareness. To be self-aware of what's going on in my brain that may be provoking my nervous system. And then take that for real. Take that to the life of Jesus. Step outside and look at the birds and the lilies. And remember that God's good creation works. And you are a part of God's good creation. And just as much as brains and nervous systems could be malformed by the traumagenic experiences and the traumatic stresses we live in our lives, they can also be resilient too. And we can step back and we can look toward the king who knows us best and loves us most. And slowly but surely maybe move a little bit further away from that worry. Because I recognize that I'm not God. And so maybe then we do some breath prayers. Maybe we breathe in and say, I am God's beloved. And then we exhale and say, and you are mine. Or maybe we breathe in and say, you are God. And maybe we exhale and say, I am not. What else? Yeah. Yeah, when you sense. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I'm not called to that. Right, right. That's how people do children's ministry. Right? Like, I ain't called to that. I ain't called to that either. Yeah, like not ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your soul. How do you know if it's of the Spirit? If it aligns with the life and teachings of Jesus. And if you're not sure, seek godly counsel. Y'all hear me? If you want to know if it's of the Spirit, see if it aligns with the teachings of Jesus or what Glenn said matters, and then seek godly counsel. And then you got a decision to make. How else? Yeah. Yeah. Mom Vernon just covered everything. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, open up the Scriptures. Make time for that. Right, right. And then tell somebody about it. Right? Share, some, share with somebody about it. That's right. Believe Him. Right. So then what can we as a church do to seek God's kingdom first and live a just life? Okay, it does start with loving one another. It does. Study to get Mom Verde, you want to preach? I got you. I know you do. I know you do, Mama. I know. Love one another. Trust God. Yeah. Praise God. Okay, but let's do some concrete stuff. Because love's got to look like something. Yeah, actually help the neighbors. Like if you gotta if we're gonna love the neighbors, then we gotta actually serve the neighbors. Always an action word. Encourage one another. Like, when's the last time you texted somebody in your church family to just encourage them? Y'all should, like, blow Lloyd's phone up. It's in the directory. <laughs> like, like, tech, like, you know, like, when's the last time we encouraged each other? Just to, even just random. Like, and it's going to feel random. Right? Hey, Casey, this is random, but, you know, Sunday and all. Pray, you know, seek first the kingdom, sister. Praying for you today. Live a just life. All right, but other ways, concretely. 
What are some concrete ways? I love that Gabrielle just uh, completely plugged in three E's good neighbor orientation. No, get involved in ministries. Get involved in ministries. Get involved in ministries that are happening in our city that are flowing through this church. Yeah, there's a good neighbor orientation going on. Look at the worship guide. Find ways to get involved. You know, for example, Juneteenth. On Juneteenth, we had 39 WCC people serving that day. Held it down and gave over 1,900 bottles. Well, how many bottles of water, John? Yeah, a little over 2,000 bottles of water. Like, there are ways to be faithfully present in the spaces of the city. We talk about this. Those are concrete ways. How about you join us in that, right? Like, how about everybody do something? We can't be everything to everyone, but we can be something to someone. Find your something that reflects the just life that Jesus has called you to. And here's what I'm going to ask you to consider. Find something that disrupts your life. Come on now. Come on, Fred. Now you get into my business. <laughs> Find something that disrupts your life. Seriously, something that costs you something. Right? Larry, like, like children. <laughs> like, like adopting, like kids. Not that much. Learn from them. <laughs> learn from them. <laughs> they got like 25 children. Like, learn. No, but like, like find something that disrupts your life. So here's my question. What is it that you could join God in? Y'all hear my language? Join God in. Let's say it together. Join God in, which assumes I'm discerning what God is doing in my neighborhoods and my networks. I'm looking at my church family, see what's going on. Look at the city, see what's going on. I ain't got to create it. God's probably already created it. Just need to join God in it. God ain't got to bless it. It's already blessed. So just get involved in it, right? What is it that I can join God in that will disrupt my life? That will cost me something. Not your jobs, because that's your vocation God's already entrusted to you. Some of us pay too much a price for that. But that's a, that, but that's a lot of times by choice, right? Like, let's be honest. Let's be real. So, like, let's not talk about jobs. We're talking about not I have the time. Like, not family. Like, what is it that you can give your life to to join God in that will cost you something? That will cause you to step back and say, am I really seeking God's kingdom first? And am I really living a just life? Yeah, like meeting, like meeting a need. And it can be something as beautifully simple as saying, I was going to do this thing, but that person needs a ride. And I'm not going to do this thing. Or that person is lonely, and I'm tired of people. But I'm going I'm to go, come on now, some of y'all, y'all know, I see us. Susan? call those the one ear up, one ear out questions, where we ask ourselves, who might God be calling me to love? Who's that person that's always in your head? You don't know why, but they're just always in your head. But here's the other side. Who might God be calling to love you? Who's that person that keeps on calling you and texting you and bothering you? Who's that person checking on you? Who's that person's always asking how you doing and wanting to get in your personal space and hug you on Sundays? Come on, we see y'all. Sometimes it is a community. Yeah. I think as a church, we've done that, like, building orphans. Yep, yep. Stuff like that. Yeah. It may be listening to a, a, a people, not just a person. Who might God be calling me to love? Who might be God calling to love me? 
and then opening myself up to that, even if it's going to cost me something. Because here's the thing. Is God going to ask us to pay a price God isn't going to fund? Come on now. Is he? No. It's not how God works. That's the whole point of what Jesus is trying to say. If God's willing to fund the life of a, of, a, of a lily and fund the life of a bird, then God's willing to fund what you need to get your life moving in the direction that reflects the kingdom of God. That funding may look like time. It may look like energy. It may look like commitment. It may look like finances. It may look a lot of different ways, but it will lead you to a closer expression of the reality of God's kingdom because there is nothing God hasn't done and wouldn't do. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.